Welcome, Nexus Church family online to our online service for this week. We pray that it'll be a challenging and encouraging message that will uplift you and connect you to God. Uh, in our service today, we will start out with one song of worship, kind of get us prepared for the message. And we'll have about a half hour for a message, maybe a little less, a little more. And then we'll close it off with a time of reflection with a song at the end. And so today, I would like to open up in prayer as we prepare for today's message. Father, thank you for today. I thank you for the songs that we will sing that are praise to you. I pray that the message that is shared today will encourage those who are listening. And I thank you for them and their lives and their families. And I pray that this week will be a great week as we be a light to our world around us. In Jesus' name. Oh, I need you. 
Nexus Church family online. Well, today we are finishing up a very short series, in fact, just three weeks, on what is a healthy mind's eye. Now, again, a mind's eye is the way we internally see the world around us, and really, it's what Paul called in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the mind of Christ. Our key text for this, this series has been found in Romans 12, 1 and 2, where Paul writes to his followers, So dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Here's what I like. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Well, over the past two weeks, we established the importance of having a teachable spirit, which we called a growth mindset. And then last week, we examined the destruction that bad thoughts have on us and how we get rid of them. We really focused on what it means to repent. And now that we've had this teachable spirit, this growth mindset, and we've gotten rid of this garbage that, that tries to fill our minds, we want to turn our attention this week into how do we get good things in there. And to begin with today, I want to take a look at a passage I found in the book of Luke, chapter 8, verses 4 and following, where Jesus establishes the kind of soil, or as he would call it, the kind of mind that would receive good things. We want to be able to focus on good. And so today, now that we've got our minds cleared, we want to put good things in them. So let's read Jesus' parable of the sower and the seed. Verse 4 in Luke chapter 8 says, 
as a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from every town, he said in a parable. Now, a parable, if you're not familiar with what those are, a parable is a teaching that really is a story that God uses to proclaim a very powerful truth. And it really gets a person's heart. And so he was teaching them in a way that they would, would really be drawn into Jesus. And so the stories of a sower who went out, or a farmer, if you will, to sow his seed. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the sky devoured it. Other seed fell on the rock. When it grew up, it withered away since it lacked moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. Still other seed fell on good ground, and when it grew up, it produced fruit a hundred times what was sown. As he said this, he called out, let anyone who has ears hear and listen. Now, of course, they asked him questions. What does this mean? We're confused. Like, where are you going with this, Jesus? And then in verse 11, he said, The meaning of this parable is the seed is the word of God. The seed that goes along the path are those who have heard, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the seed on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, Having no root, these believers believe for a while and then fall away in the time of testing. As for the seed that fell among the thorns, these are the ones who, when they heard, go on their way and are choked with worries, riches, and pleasures of life and produce no mature fruit. But the seed in the good ground, these are the ones who, having heard the word with an honest and good heart, hold on to it, and by enduring, they produced fruit. Now, Jesus is making, of course, a very simple statement here, and and in it, he has this this picture of a soil, right? It's, It's when we get the truth, and we have a decision to make. Now, some of the seed fell on this path, right? This path that is trampled down is in hard, right? It's a picture of a person who has a hard heart. They will simply not receive the truth. They reject it upon hearing it. Of course, we know a lot of people who fit that category. They simply want nothing to do with faith. And then there's the other soil, the, the rocky soil that has this mind that initially receives the truth but rejects it when times get tough. The mind just doesn't have what it takes to hold on when times get tough. And then we have the, the thorns, the, the ones where they receive it. It starts to grow, but the distractions in life, the busyness, maybe the hobbies or kids or work get in the way and it, it chokes out whatever truth was planted in. It's just another thing on the to-do list. But then there's the seed, the good seed, the good mind, the good soil, that when it's planted, it grows and it produces multiple upon multiple seeds that impact the world. 
And so last week, we covered about those, those first three seeds, right? The, the ones that just are focused on all the things in this world and the distractions, and, and we understand that. But today, we really want to focus on how do we get the good in our mind. We know that we're faced in this world with a lot of stuff, but how do we get the good? And in a moment, we're going to take a look at, at what we need to do in order to do that. But first, I want to give you a couple of examples of what this looks like. A really good, clear picture that we have in the Bible of what it's not and what it is. What does it look like to allow our mind to be the good soil? And the first picture we get is of Peter. In Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 32, again, Peter is such a great example because we can relate to him. We go through the same things he went through emotionally. He could be charged up one moment, the next moment he could be fallen all over the place. And in this passage, we have Jesus sending his disciples off. Right? They're doing all these amazing things. They're feeding thousands of people. Miracles are happening. And so Jesus sends them off and he goes and he spends some time alone. He needed some time alone with the Father. There's a lot of truth to that, right? And so then we get the picture of him catching up to his disciples. You see, he sent them off on the boat, but then the waters get rough, a storm comes, and so he goes and he walks towards them. And we read in verse 25, Jesus came toward them, walking on the sea very early in the morning. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them, have courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, all right, come. Climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him and said, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Where did... Where, you had such confidence in me. But then you got distracted. You saw and you got worried. Like the bad seed, right? You see, his mind wasn't focused on Jesus anymore. It was focused on the things around him and how I can so relate. And maybe you can too. Where you can be so committed to Jesus and, and just be ready to to conquer for Jesus, right? I want, I want everybody to know of, about who Jesus is and the good news of what he came to do to free us from our bondages. But then you get busy with life and you get distracted and pretty soon you start to sink. I wonder where did God go? God didn't go anywhere. Jesus didn't go anywhere. He was still there with him. Peter definitely had his moments where he fell. The beautiful thing about Peter and the great thing we have with Jesus is he always welcomed him back. 
But we don't want to be stuck. We want to go forward. And much like what Peter did when the Holy Spirit came upon him, he became a new man. We have that availability as well. And we see this in the story of Paul. We see this in the story of Paul and Silas in Acts 16, where they went through some crazy things, where they could have easily have been distracted and beaten down and and we, we're in a time right now of this, this pandemic, COVID-19, and maybe you're listening to this many, many years later, and this is just a, a thing of the past. But man, right now the world is being shaken, and, and people's faith is really being tested, and we're all out of sorts. What is normal? We have no idea what normal is. We have no idea what to expect. And we have this picture of Paul and Silas where... They were facing death. They remained focused on God, even in the middle of that. And so let's go to Acts chapter 16 and read this amazing encounter where Paul and, and Silas, they, they're being followed by this, whatever you might want to call it, a, a witch maybe, a sorcerer. It was a person who was, who was just kind of constantly harassing them, telling them all these things. And, and Paul was like, I've had enough of you. Get out of here. And so he cast this demon that was inside of this woman out of her, and she is freed from this demon. Well, the slave owners get ticked off because now their, their money is gone. She was predicting all sorts of things. She had a demon inside her. And Paul freed her of that, and now their money maker is gone. And so they take Paul and Silas to the courts to get them to be killed. So we pick up the story. And the crowd joined in the attack against them, Paul and Silas. And the chief magistrates stripped off their clothes and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they threw him in jail, ordering the jailer to guard them carefully. Receiving such an order, he put them in the inner prison and secured their feet in stocks. Okay, so he's like, I've got to make special care that these guys do not find a way out of here. And so he took them as far into the prison as possible, and he secured their naked bodies in stock so that there's no way they would be freed. So they're naked. They're beaten with rods. They're flogged with these massive claws that ripped into their skin and tore out their flesh, and they're bleeding. And now they're in this inner prison surrounded by all sorts of disgusting critters that are eaten at their flesh, cold, damp, alone. And the prisoners that were beyond them in the more outer courts, if you will, hear something different about these guys. You see, they're sentenced to death. But yet, at midnight, <laughs> they should be finishing themselves off and saying, it's over, it's done, we give up. They're not giving up. They're focusing still on God. They have their minds set on God no matter what. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. 
I would love to have that kind of perspective. Like they were so consumed with God that they found themselves in the most horrible situation that any person could find themselves. They are ultimately tortured for Christ. And in the middle of that, they are singing to God and worshiping Him, praying to Him. And God does something amazing. He frees them. They are set free and they are now able to go. And and when the prison guard sees it, he's going to take his life. Paul and Silas should have been hightailing it out of there, right? But what, what do they do? Let's find out. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake. The foundations of the jail were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's chains came loose. When the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison standing open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself since he thought the prisoners had escaped, and he knew that the result of that was his death immediately. There was no grace in this. But Paul called out in a loud voice, don't harm yourself because we're all here. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. He escorted them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him along with everyone in the house. He took them that same hour and night and washed their wounds right away. He and his family were baptized. He brought them into his house, set a meal before them, and rejoiced because he had come to believe in God with his entire household. Crazy. Now, most people, if God freed them from jail, they would have been out immediately. But Paul and Silas had something to do. They had salvations to see happen. They were there to continually bring glory to God. Their mind was so focused on things of God that they weren't looking out for themselves. They were looking out for God's kingdom. No matter what happened, they had their mind on Christ. When they should have been bitter, angry, lashing out, saying, that guy deserves death, we're out of here. They were looking out for the souls of those who did not know Jesus yet. So how do we become like that? How, how do we get that kind of mind? How can we have a mind that is strong no matter the circumstance, no matter what we face? See, that's what the mind of Christ is. That's the kind of mind's eye we want to create, that no matter what we face, we are at peace. We are ready to go forward Are we going to face circumstances? Are we going to have emotions that that want to beat us up and tear us down? Are we going to have moments where we just don't want to go forward anymore? I'm sure Paul did. But he didn't let that define him. He went forward. And you know, we read in Philippians exactly how he did it. You see, Paul wrote Philippians from jail. And in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 8, we read some of the most powerful words that could ever come from a jail. This man knew how to guard his mind so that no matter what he faced, he 
was at peace. He was ready to be used by God. And we read in verse 4 of Philippians 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. He's in prison, and he's saying this, right? I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything. You could say that he's in prison, right? But in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And here it is. No matter what you're facing, the ticket to peace, the ticket to if I'm in the middle of my world crashing down on me, everything that was going normal is no more, and we are all walking in new ground, a new normal, even then you can have peace. Why? Because whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence, and if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. In short, this is a growth mindset that we talked about in week one. No matter what came against it, against him, Paul twisted it to what can I gain from this? What can be used out of this to grow God's kingdom? There's always good if I will look for it. There's always good. No matter what you're facing, you could be in the middle of a prison cell. And you can find something good. Focus on it. Don't focus on the other things, the negative things, what's keeping you back. Don't focus on the fact that you can't go out anymore and go to a restaurant You can't go to school right now. Focus on the good. Focus on the good. We have the ability to still worship God. We still have that freedom. Focus on that. We're to focus on things that are true and positive. So let me ask you, what consumes your thoughts? a day what are you thinking about is it true is it honorable is it right is it lovely is it praiseworthy what consumes your thoughts is it of god is what is it what would be on the mind of christ the reality is today we choose what to fill our mind with. That's your choice. Nobody has to force you to believe in any way. At least not in America, we don't. We have that choice. And so you either let your day control you or you take control of your day and what you're thinking about. That is your choice and it all is in your will. What do you want? I realize that focusing on Jesus throughout your day is not easy. You have a lot of things going on around you. It could be school. It could be work-related. You're driving a vehicle. 
and you have to focus on where you're going, what you're doing, what other people are doing. When you're eating, you have things that you have to be focused on. Food doesn't get into your mouth without you willing it in there. So you have your mind on things. But you also have the ability to have your mind on Christ in that. To get your mind off the things in this world and get it on Jesus. Get it on what is good. God wants every part of your thought life in your day. No matter what you're doing. He wants control of it. He wants to be putting into it what is good. Now, I'll be the first one to admit that is not something that comes naturally for anybody. It is a supernatural thing that the Holy Spirit gives. And I understand that that is a daunting thing to face, knowing that we are flesh and we will make mistakes. And that this is not an easy thing. This truly is what Paul would say is dying to ourself. We are no longer ours. We are Christ, and he wants control of our thought life. Are you struggling in your thought life right now? Are you battling things inside of yourself that are tearing you down, tearing others around you down? God wants to help you. And here's the thing, for every person who's listening to this message today, listening to these truths, listening to the fact that God wants to put good things in your mind, not bad things, the gamut runs across the spectrum. For every person who's listening or ever will listen to this message, we're all different. And so how we connect to God, how we live this out, it will be different for you than it is for me. What you struggle with is not what I struggle with. How you get to that point where you are giving God control of your thought life is going to be different than mine. But God still is the same. And he still wants to put good things in your mind. And will you let him? And where do you start today? I want you to be able to walk away in a few moments. And I want you to be able to put this into practice today. I want to see you become successful and have a strong thought life. To have good things in your mind. Because we've gotten rid of the bad things last week. We've repented. We've turned away from those things. And now we're going to turn to Christ and let his good things fill us. But if we don't press into that, we'll go back to the bad. Jesus gives a powerful story, a parable of that in the Bible. We don't want that. We don't want the evil to come back in and take us over. We want to focus on the good. So what does that look like for you? You know, for me, if I don't intentionally make time to be with God, it won't happen. So I have to schedule that out in my life because I'm a doer. I'm, I like to get things done. And so if I'm not putting that in my schedule as something to get done, it just won't get done because I'm going on to the next task, the next task. But for you, that might look different. The difference between my wife and I are vastly different, and she can multitask and, and be putting good things in her thoughts by worship songs just as she goes throughout the day, and she can be thinking about scriptures and doing those awesome things as she's doing other things, but I can't. And we're just two people. You're going to be different than us. 
How do you successfully get yourself to think about God? So today, as we close our time down, I want to remind you what C.S. Lewis masterfully said. He put it this way, the more we let God take us over, the more truly ourselves we become. That's what I want for you today. I want you to become the mind of Christ, where he takes you over one step at a time, one step at a time. I'm telling you, whatever that is for you, take one step today. Do something practical. Just take one area of your life, whether it's in the car as you're driving to work or school, or whether it's you're doing dishes, when you get up in the morning, will you commit to one area where you can schedule that time where you're going to intentionally focus on good things? What area is that for you today? Make one step and watch God draw near to you as you draw near to Him. And see if maybe Isaiah 26.3 might not just happen to you. It says, God will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. I know every single one of us who is listening to these words today, can agree, I need more peace. Will you fix your thoughts on Him? Father, I pray that whatever area that you're speaking to your people today, they will slow down. God, they've got to intentionally slow down and put their thoughts on you. In a world where everything is so busy, their thoughts are flying at us left and right from every angle in our life. We are overwhelmed. I pray for every person listening that they will slow down. They will slow down and let you come in and fill them with good things. That they will spend time in your word, spend time in your presence, maybe listening to worship songs or, or letting you speak to them through their prayer time. God, I pray that they will commit right now one area of their life where they'll allow you to come in and speak to them the truths that you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Nexus Church family, for joining us today online. And we so are excited to see you again next week. Have a great week. See you then. You stood before